0: this morning on Faith Promise uh, morning with you. I want to say thank you. Um, I say thank you on behalf of my family, World Evangelism Fund, this thing that you give to faithfully. It's what makes it possible for my family to live and to work in Hungary and before that in in Bulgaria and before that in, in Russia. But not only that, Jay and I as the field strategy coordinators represent 11 countries. And so from from the Scandinavian countries that you saw, which are some of the Wealthiest countries in Europe, all the way south to, the, to, to, the, to Bulgaria, which is one of the most economically depressed countries in Europe. That is, uh, that is our field, and it is our responsibility, our joy, and our privilege to represent, to resource, to encourage, and to love the missionaries and the, and the pastors, the indigenous leaders that live and work in all of those countries. Um, Eleven countries. Ten languages, 17 missionary units, World Evangelism Fund provides for, just on our field, 17 missionary units, 26 volunteers, Nazarene volunteers, Nazarene volunteer service, and 29 missionary volunteer children. World Evangelism Fund, this thing that you give to today, makes it possible for those children and those missionary families to live and to work and to praise God and to celebrate Him and to bring His message of freedom to the people in the, on the field that we live and work on in addition to the rest of the world. So I want to thank you, and I want you to know how much what you do, your faithful giving, what that means in real terms.
1: I would ask,
0: oh, housekeeping. I, almost, I always forget. Out there, after the service, the girls will be at a table, and we would love for you to take home a, 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 a prayer card. Pastor Mike, this is not for dartboard practice. This is not for you to throw your darts at during the week. This is for you to pray, okay? You got that? So take home home a prayer card, please. We also have another card. I will talk a lot this morning about the issue of human trafficking, and we have a specific card here that we would love you to take home and read the back. Um, And there's also our blog is underlined there, so you can follow us on our blog. We have the girls will help you. There are dolls and things from Romania and Croatia. You can take those home if you'd like. And also, we'd love for you to sign up for our newsletter. The girls will help you to do that after the service. Um, During the service today, I'll talk to you about something called giving your lunch. If you want to give your lunch, which is a monthly donation that you give um, in response to the things that I'll talk about today, that's in addition to a deputation offering. It's something specifically for the issues of human trafficking and church planting. Um, The girls can help you to do that as well. So that takes care of the housekeeping, because I usually forget. If you would take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to John 6. I'd like to read from the first couple of verses of John 6. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then It was a Thursday morning like every Thursday morning. In Sophia, the missionary women, the missionary moms would come together on every Thursday morning. We had prayer time together, and we had a Bible study. We shared with each other in the Word. We prayed for one another, and we all had babies and toddlers at that time. So it was a wonderful celebration every Thursday morning. Fifteen car seats, baby car seats, lined up against the wall. The moms... Sitting around in a circle drinking coffee, bouncing babies on our laps, and our toddlers would be in another room playing and having fun together. Now we did do Bible study and we did prayer but a, pray together, but a lot of what we did was just to share information. Back in those days it was hard to find diapers for our babies. So we'd come together on a Thursday morning and say, this place or that place has diapers. And afterwards, every every one of us would rush out to that specific store to, to stock up. It would take five or six trips to different grocery stores to gather enough food for us to be able to to support our families for a week of meals. And so we would share information with each other about who had what, which store had, so that we could go and we could get those things to make it through the week until we would come together on the next Thursday. It was a wonderful time together. I have amazing memories of that fellowship with those wonderful missionary moms that represented churches, denominations, parachurch organizations from across America and actually internationally. It was always a fun, joyous time together. Except for one Thursday morning. One Thursday morning stands out in my memory in a specific way because on that Thursday morning, there was no talk about where to buy diapers. There was no laughter. There was no discussion about whose baby had made what milestone that week. On this Thursday morning, we came together as a very somber group of moms, heartbroken. Our minds, our hearts, reeling because that morning in the newspaper, in the Sophia newspaper, a story had been broken. I'm a mom of four little girls. And that morning, the newspaper told of a ring of traffickers, men and women who trafficked human beings, for the sale of their bodies, for the purposes and the pleasures of someone who was willing to pay that price. Now, the issue of trafficking was not necessarily a new issue for any of us. The Church of the Nazarene sent us, my family, Jay and I, before we had children, sent us to Moscow, Russia in 1994. And from our 18th story window of our apartment building, we could look out from that kitchen window and I could see the women on the busy boulevard below selling their bodies. In 1998, the church asked us if we would move to Sofia, Bulgaria, and after prayer we did so. And from the very beginning, from those early days, the women would stand on the outskirts of town and they would sell themselves to passers-by. When the girls were ready to go to school, every morning, every afternoon, our trip took us right by those ladies, there on the street. In fact, they were so much a part of the landscape of our girls' growing up years, not one of my girls ever asked me, why were those ladies there? They had just always been. In Hungary, where we live today, In Budapest, in order for me to go to make my big shopping spree once a week, my pathway takes me by women who stand on the edge of the road waiting for somebody to make a purchase. So the issue of human trafficking in and of itself was nothing new on that Thursday morning. What brought struggle for us? in a new way was that as they had broken this ring of traffickers, they had found that the parents of the children, babies, young girls who had been sold out of Bulgaria across international lines into the wealthier European countries, the people who had made that transaction were the parents themselves. Moms and dads who had sold their children into slavery because as the girls and the children worked and brought in money, some of that revenue was coming back to those Roma families and they were using it as a means of supporting themselves financially. That was a sombering to wrap my arms and my mind and my heart around the fact that mothers like me had found a way to make a transaction like that. We go back to this story in John chapter 6, verse 1. At first glance, It seems like a story of 5,000 fed, a convenient way, a flannel graph story, if you will, a convenient way that conveys the ability of a God named Jesus to feed a lot of hungry people. But at second look, I think, it is something much more revolutionary. If we remember our scripture, we remember that God tells us here that the people came to the Sea of Galilee, which was the lake of Tiberius, presumably to celebrate the feast of Passover. Jesus and his disciples are here at the Sea of Galilee, there presumably to celebrate the feast of Passover. Can I ask you to remember with me just for a second exactly what they were celebrating? Would you remember with me that first Passover? The Israelites are slaves in Egypt. Remember? The plagues have come, and, and the last plague... With the last plague, God says, Mark your doorposts with blood so that when the death angel comes tonight, he will pass by and he will save your firstborn sons. Remember? So then on the night of that first Passover, Jewish families ate a Passover meal of bitter herbs and bread, and they waited inside their homes, And the storyteller of the Exodus tells us that from the firstborn of Pharaoh to the firstborn of the prisoner and the firstborn of the animals, each firstborn was struck down in death that night. Remember? And then in the early morning hours, the Israelites gathered their few possessions and they carried wooden vessels, the scripture tells us, wooden vessels on their shoulders, filled with unleavened bread. And they left in a great haste to journey to the edge of a great sea in the greatest rescue from slavery that humanity has ever known. Remember? And there, those Israelites waited and camped until Pharaoh and his army pursued them, intending to once again bind them in chains and drag them back to Egypt in slavery. But God, our God, do you remember? Created a big wind that parted the Red Sea, and the Israelites passed through on dry land. Do you remember? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about God and how he works in the lives of everyday individuals like you and me, or like those Israelites? What do you believe about what God thinks and wants for our world, and how he interacts with his human beings, and what that means for the reality of those that are lost? What do you believe about what God says and speaks into your life and what that means as you live out each day, 100 years of days within your community? I was a literature teacher before I was a mom. I was a literature teacher before I was a missionary, before I was a mom. And so when I look at this scripture through my eyes as a literature teacher, I cannot help but see an undeniable metaphor embedded within this story in John. When you find yourself enslaved by the sickness of sin, when an evil master will not let you go regardless of whether you serve him docilely or you struggle violently against him run flee and your god will make a way do you believe that this morning And when sin pursues you and death lies before you, the great sea of Christ's blood shed for you will make a way. You will have a dry path that you can cross to safety. Do you believe that this morning? And that same sea of Christ's blood is the only force Powerful enough to not only swallow your sin, but resolutely and finally defeat the power of Satan in your life. Do you believe that today, church? As Christ's followers, we know how this battle ends. Remember? That escape from Egypt, that is our story a metaphor for the very real journey that each of us takes from the slavery of sin to the salvation received through the blood of Christ's death.
1: You want me to say
0: resurrection? Are you waiting for me to say the word resurrection? His blood, his death, and his resurrection? Wait for it. Instead, I want you to go back to a group of 5,000 people, men plus their women and their children, who in a parallel story have left their homes in a hurry because they have seen and heard that Jesus miraculously heals people from their sickness. And just like the Israelites, Enslaved by their Egyptian masters, these common folk are trapped. They're enslaved by their sickness. And they think that Jesus can free them, so they come to the desert in haste. And Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on a mountainside. with his disciples because the feast of Passover was near that is no coincidence that is a beautiful merging of one ancient story into another that powerfully revolutionally changes transforms our understanding of who Jesus really is is a God who can save us out of slavery. A firstborn son who is the sacrifice for all of us. Unleavened bread, these loaves, keep appearing in different forms throughout our scripture. Now Jesus sits down by the sea, the sea that is metaphorically representing the power of Christ's blood to finally, ultimately defeat the power of sin. But he sits on this side of the sea, the firstborn, the Lamb of God, sits down as if at a table in the position of one who is to dine, to take a meal, the very position that in a very short time in the future he will take a cup of wine and say, is my blood shed for you for the remission of sins. A God-man sitting in front of the Sea of Galilee and a host of Israelites who have left their homes in haste, carry the slavery of their disease on their weary backs with nothing to eat in the desert. Does it sound familiar? And where God pushed back the forces of the created order itself to let those first sojourners cross the sea that was the blood and drown the hounds of hell that is our sin, in an undeniable defeat on this day with this group of Israelites the firstborn of a holy God sits down on a bank on this side of the sea waiting for those sojourners to come inviting them to the table because soon he will pour out his very blood and it will merge with that great sea to become my, to become your, to become their salvation. Then Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, broken, But wait. Where's the bread? Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat, Philip? Master, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down as if at a table to dine. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down about 5,000 men. Just then, Jesus then took the loaves and he gave thanks. He distributed. God bent down. And he served to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And then he did the same with the fish. The fish? Oh, yeah. Those fish that when he called his disciples, he said, throw your nets on the other side. But Lord, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. Or those fish after his resurrection when he came to the edge of the water and the disciples were out fishing that night. Friends, have you any fish? No. Throw your net on the other side. You'll find some. Now come and have breakfast. Simon, do you truly love me more than these? Feed my lambs. Simon, do you truly love me? Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. With what? Two fish? Five barley loaves? Brought into the desert by a little unmentioned, unimportant, uncounted little boy? Firstborn of God Almighty, His blood poured out, His body broken. Where shall we find bread for these people to eat? Here's a small boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? today there are more people trapped in slavery today in the year 2013 August 20th there are more people trapped in slavery than at any other time in all of our human More people held by Pharaoh, trapped by sin. Young girls, women, kidnapped, lured, forced into selling their bodies against their will. Young children whose bodies are cut open and their organs harvested and sold. against their will into labor. Thirteen year old girls sold for a bride price. In our part of the world where we live, a thirteen year old girl brings the According to the International Labor Organization today, there are more than, are you ready, more than 211 million, 211 million children between the ages Five and fourteen who are being forced to work against their will in our world today. In the face of so many, 5,000 men, plus their women and children, one little boy gave his lunch. 12 baskets left The issues of human trafficking are overwhelming in Central Europe where we serve. We have the fastest growing rate per capita of trafficking in the world today. Romania, Bulgaria, Kosovo, Albania, Croatia, Hungary, all major countries in the trafficking highway. And I could talk to you in equal terms about illiteracy, poverty, prejudice, genocide. On that day, on that Thursday morning, in the room next door where the toddlers were running around, a young college girl named Jana was helping to take care of those children of missionary moms that young girl Jana was taking care of my toddlers that morning and this youngest of the sunburn girls is named after She would become a part of our family, this Bulgarian college student. And soon we would ask her if she would be the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries coordinator for Bulgaria, which she did. And after she had served in that role for a couple of years, Jana felt that God was asking her to move outside of the the capital city of Sofia into a community that is well known, best known for the fact that it traffics women. And in that community where she set up residence, she volunteered in a school that services three mountain villages of Roma families and their children. And she began to volunteer in that school on a daily basis because she was trying to impact, to transform lives of young girls and young boys who have no hope and who would ultimately probably be sold. The traffickers come to the gates of the school and wait for the girls to come out and proposition them and sometimes kidnap them. And into that av- environment, Jana began to volunteer and to work and soon realized that if she were going to have any impact, God helped her to understand that she needed to go into the homes of the parents She needed to make journeys into their dirt-floored homes, talking, spending time, getting to know the parents, the culture, the Roma gypsy culture of these children, if there was any hope for them. And so she did that every week, walking, taking a bus, in the cold, in the winter, through the snow, on a bus, on a difficult journey, into their unheated, dirt-floored homes. And out of that, a group of women began, began to have transformation in their lives. And a church was planted, and a Roma woman from that community was called and began the journey to be ordained as a pastor. And more lives were transformed. And the children began to live differently and to behave differently, so much so that even in the school and then within the greater community and then within the government in the area, people began to notice that these children and families were changing, were transforming. sometimes two fish and five barley loaves are enough. And then a gentleman next door, in the village next door, happened to notice that there was transformation in the life of his sister. And so he invited Jonah to come to his village. And he offered his home. He opened it up. He said, you can come. You can do this Bible story, this, this Jesus thing in my home if you'd like. Funny thing, the man had three daughters and a wife and his source of income for his family. He trafficked women. A viable economic decision for a man providing for his family. And so into the home of one of the major networkers of women being trafficked, In that area of Bulgaria, a young Bulgarian woman, single, began a Bible study in the home of a man who trafficked girls. And God spoke to his heart. And he quit his job. And he became a shepherd. God has a sense of humor. a period in our history where there are more people enslaved than in any other time in the history of our human journey in the face of the numbers that we are given i could be discouraged but i'm not because i know the story And so do you. A young boy, an average Nazarene, not a government, not an educational system, an average Nazarene, an average little boy, brought all that he had and offered it to God. And with that, God fed a multitude. I believe we dare to believe in Central Europe that that is exactly what God is doing. Thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being honest and authentic and sacrificial as you give to World Evangelism Fund. Thank you for two fish and five May God bless
1: you today. One of the reasons that I wanted to make sure as coming off of sabbatical that I was here on this day is that I think days like this define who we are. Days like this define are we really who we say that we are? Where we talk about this transformation that God does in our hearts and in our lives and how it causes us to live different and, and, and to, to love different and to make our priorities different but it's, it's days like this when, when sometimes we ask of each other, are we really who we say that we are? Are, are the fish and the loaves really God's in the first place? You know, we don't, um, we don't talk very often about money But we don't apologize when we do Because it's one of the tools that God has given us To make a difference It's it's our fish And our loaves And he says to us Would you give me Everything you have And I will do things with it That you can't even imagine In fact this side of heaven We won't even know The things that God does Because of the faithfulness Of us being stewards Of God's provision We who are the poorest among us in this room are in the richest category in the world have to decide are we really who we say that we are and our regular ministry throughout this community funded through through the tithes and offerings that we give weekly but we go beyond that we we want to say we we are beyond when when Jesus said feed my sheep he didn't say just feed the sheep that're next door to you he said feed my sheep and and we are a people who who believe in missionaries like the Sunbergs and others around the world that are that are changing people's lives? We have, uh, I've been and seen the people uh, in Hungary. I've worked in Romania. One of one of our sons here, who grew up in this church, Phil Munts, is helping pioneer the work in Sweden. Some of us have worked next door in the next door field in in Ukraine, and and uh, two of our families are in volunteer service. In China, and we have a group who 's active in Haiti, a group who's active in Honduras. I just came back from a month there, and um, what I see over and over again is so thankful to be a part of a church that is able to have a, a, a structure that is changing the world through the faithfulness of some loaves and fish and so this morning, we have an opportunity to think about what will we give for missions. To support missionaries who are in the work, not only of bringing people to Jesus, but changing the life where they live today. And we call that our faith promise. Stepping out and saying, what on faith can I step out and say, God, I think I, think I can give these fish and loaves. And, 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 you know, can I just be honest with you? I think maybe you might have thought of this ahead of time and you might be here this morning. And maybe some of you need to change that number on that card. Just be honest. Are we really who we say that we are? And In a moment, the offering plates are going to pass, and we're going to make that faith promise commitment. What we're going to do for missions around the globe over this next year, what am I going to do with the fish and the, and the bread? We're going to do two other things. We're also, we want to bless the Sundberg family, and so uh, if you want to make a check out to the church, we'll make sure that they get that to, to help them in their personal ministry uh, as well. And I know that you want to be generous in that. And then we want to pray a prayer of blessing on their family and on others who are serving the church across the street and around the world. God, help us to be the people who say we really are who we say we are. And everything we have and everything we are. Change the life of a of a little girl in the sex trade somewhere or a little boy who doesn't have enough to eat somewhere to change their hearts for eternity for Jesus. What a privilege we have. That is an absolute privilege that you and I get to make a difference in people around the world. I'm just going to offer a prayer and um, then invite the ushers to come. And if you'd fill out your faith promise card for what God's calling you to do to step out in faith for missions this year, also a way of bless the sunbergs and then join me in a prayer of blessing upon them father we give you thanks for this day that we have come and we have worshiped you but it it has not been about and it never should be about our entertainment or our enjoyment god it is about us setting our hearts right and looking towards you in all that we do and so this morning i even sense that that your holy spirit has worked in the midst of of somebody's life here today and and, and And ask that question. What are we going to do with the fish and the bread that we have? And and whose is it in the first place? One day we'll get to find out just what a difference our faithfulness and standpoint has made around the globe. Father, today we um, were a people in in a first service, uh, a church family. We have a, a people of church family who will be here in second service. We have a church family of 22-some who are off on youth retreat uh, today. we were reminded of that, but we have a church family around the globe. We pray for them and pray blessing. We pray blessing on the Sunberg family specifically today, and they represent hundreds of other missionaries in, in hundreds of other fields all over the globe specifically for them as they travel, give them blessing. Lord, would you give them strength? Would you take away those moments of discouragement? And would you give them rest? And God, we invite your spirit to come. May we hold our heads high today because we walk with the God who holds all the fish and all the bread and knows the way. May we keep our eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers, would you come? There's no place I would rather be There's no place I would rather be There's no place I would rather be.
0: no place I would rather be. It's no place I would rather be. Hearing in your love, hearing in your love, it's a set of fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you. I want more of you, God. There's a set of fire Soul that I can't say, that I can't control. I want more of you. Father God, we want more of you. We thank you for the sunburns, Lord God. And we ask, Lord, that you would just surround them with your peace and your protection as they go. And, Lord God, we think of tomorrow, that 30-hour trip, Lord, oh, they can't even do it all in one day, Lord. Would you just give them a sense of your presence, Lord, I pray. I pray that flights would be on time, Lord, and that baggages would get where they're supposed to get. And that, Lord God, you would just pour out on them in these days wonderful things, Lord, we pray. And the work that they do there, Lord God, would be empowered by the Spirit, we ask in Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus.